0: i have had people give me my zines back with like really? marker i wasn't joking i've had men give me my zines back
1: oh my covered gosh. in marker pen
0: but i have it with everything it's like every single wrestling every single wrestling show i've refereed some dude who's a fan has never stepped in a ring in his life will come up afterwards and tell me what i've done wrong <laughs>
1: Hi, welcome to episode 4 of
2: Grap Girls, the queer feminist wrestling podcast. I'm Holly. And I'm Sharnaz, and we're asking all the hard-hitting questions like who's going to be wearing the best outfit at WrestleMania? Who's going to have the best entrance? Who's going to have the best hair? Lols, we're asking none of that.
1: This episode goes out in April. We're not going to be talking about WrestleMania at all because we recorded it in February.
2: Yay! Um, This
1: is a really nice episode to follow episode three if you're listening to them back to back we've invited Heather back to talk to us today about her upcoming publication on women wrestling and to talk about her experiences starting off in the world of wrestling the idea of gatekeeping knowledge the idea of um, fitting into quite a male-dominated world and talking about my favorite subject which is zines other than wrestling
2: my other favorite love in life is zines and i'd like to just point out to all of our listeners because i know that holly will not do this herself but holly is the number one zine librarian in the uk <laughs> of a chart that i made <laughs> is it just me and that's it yeah i don't know any others sorry oh thank you i feel honored how did you get into making zines
1: me Mm. oh i had um no friends and the internet hadn't been invented so zines were the only option really if you think
2: about it yeah of course but were you i mean so this may just be showing off how old we were we are or how old we were back in february we're young now (laughs) um but i first knew of zines and fanzines through like the back pages of kerrang and enemy and, and things like that and yeah. you'd like send off for them so that's how i knew about them but is that how you knew about them because obviously there was no because there was no internet there's no, no universal way of like knowing
1: stuff. um well the pre-internet was teletext and cfax do you remember that of that course guy, <laughs> Our younger listeners might not know what CFAX and teletext is. And I'm not sure if they had that outside the UK either. So if you're listening outside the UK, you probably don't know what that is. And it was this text service that appeared on your television if you pressed a certain number of buttons. And it was kind of like a weird version of the internet, but really
2: wasn't. It was like an online magazine, but through your television. And it only updated once a day. So it gave you like the weather the lottery numbers and fun quizzes (laughs) yeah and fun quizzes Uh, but the bbc one had a forum that i really liked like a kid's forum um in fact i had loads of forums on it for the pre-internet channel 4 had that as well so there was a,
1: a planet sound on channel 4 teletext which is where they had like um reviews of like riot girl music and punk music and indie music And there were listings for um, zines and things like that. But that's actually not where I heard about zines. I heard about zines through, um, I was really obsessed with the band Biss, who are from Scotland, who are like a DIY, Riot girl pop-punk band. They all made zines themselves. So that's how I got into zines and then i read an article in just 17 which is a teen girls magazine looking at the world of zines and in that it had like a list of uh music punk fanzines that you could send off a in pound. j17
2: exactly it except was, back when it was called just 17
1: it was life-changing <laughs> it was honestly like the best article i'd ever read i owe everything to that article um and that's when i started reading zines back in like was it 1998 1999 so yeah. this actually marks 20 years of me making zines this year which is
2: Pretty exciting. We should mark that somehow. Yeah. Can I have a cake? Oh, I was thinking that we'd like release some doves or something. Oh yeah,
1: and then cake. Yeah, and then cake. Cool. Um. Yeah. So zines are great. Zines the best way I've ever like um just like found out information and like connected with like queer punk feminist communities and stuff like that. And I love the fact that it's 2019 and zines are still thriving and still really amazing and really important and when we talk to Heather later on we're going to talk a little bit about her wrestling zines that she makes and how exciting it was for me and as to go to those first wrestling shows together and read zines and like connect with wrestling history through not through published official books or published resources but through zines that were written by someone who sounded like us and looked like us and it felt really accessible um and there's other like I discovered through that this whole world of zines uh, and wrestling it's like a massive subculture and I really recommend um there's a really great online zine distro called holy demon army zine distro and they distro loads of really amazing zines like um atomic elbow and uh we let our battles choose us and there's a really great zine called uh dean ambrose and bigfoot mm. and it chronicles the journey of dean ambrose and Bigfoot, which is amazing. Oh my God,
2: that sounds great.
1: Um, and there's also a really amazing zine that I love called um, Girl Wrestling Fan, Will You Marry Me? Which I think we've highlighted on our Twitter account before, mm-hmm. which is, uh, it's a zine that gives voices to marginalised um, wrestling fans. So looking at women, uh, women of colour, LGBTQ uh, wrestling fans. And so if you've not read that zine before, then
2: do check it out.
1: Excellent.
2: Um. One thing I was going to ask you, I mean, just so, you know, I mean, to the audience at home, you may never have seen or met Holly Cassio, but one thing I can tell you about her is that she actually wears her love of zines on her sleeve. <laughs> she has um, a, a tattoo sleeve, um, which has a Pritstick stick and uh, a pair of scissors, and it represents, I'm assuming, your love of making zines.
1: It does. And I once tried to get... Free Pritt Sticks from the company who make Pritt Sticks by sending them a photograph of my arm. And they sent me, like, what they called a year's supply worth of glue sticks.
2: It was like six Pritt Sticks in a jiffy envelope. It was pretty shardy. A year's supply Pritt Stick. Come on. So, Pritt
1: Stick, if you're listening,
2: send us some Pritt Sticks. You know what you need to get? You need to get a Vigo tattoo. Oh my god, I do. Yeah, we 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 know someone. Yeah, we've got a friend who got a tattoo of the brilliant vegan chocolate bar Vigo and got, like a full-on actual year's supply
1: if you want to sponsor this podcast both
2: pritstick and vega vega i never show how to pronounce it then please please do (laughs) okay well anyway as i'm saying holly wears her love of zines on her sleeve and clearly what the kind of scissors and the glue symbolize is that making zines is a it's a physical task that you do. And I want to link it to an interview I read with Kathleen Hannah a few years ago, where obviously Kathleen Hanna, kind of in the mid-90s, was one of the people... Well, she didn't popularise zines, obviously. It was already a thriving culture when Bikini yeah. Kill were around. But one thing that she did was that she did make zines, often about the accounts of women who she spoke to at her shows. Um, and when she kind of came to the UK with the Julie Ruin um, a couple of years ago, shows that got cancelled i believe um but she was saying something in an interview about girls who still give her copies of their zines and she was questioning why girls are still making zines when it's so accessible to build a blog and have a website um so i know i've gone a very long way about this but why do you think that zine culture is still going on when other platforms for expressing your views takes place is there something something about the actual physicality of making oh, something yeah
1: i remember in the 90s when we were making zines there was all these conversations about how zine culture was dead print was dead because come come y2k not only were we all gonna die <laughs> um but you know everyone would have blogs and everything would be available online so why why create zines and um Zine culture has actually increased a lot in the last like, 15, 20 years. There's more zines than ever. It feels like there's more zine fests than ever. I feel like people do want something tangible. They want something to hold. Um, and I actually think that zines are more accessible than uh, a blog or a piece of writing that's online because, first of all, you need access to the internet. Um, not everyone does. No. You can make a zine using a piece of paper, a glue stick, and a pair of scissors, and that's literally all you need. It's very... Very, very simple and doesn't require any technology or any artistic skill, and that's something that I really like. Um, But the tangible aspect to it is something I really love. I remember being on tour in the band with you a couple of years ago, and one of my zines, one of my really, really early zines, was in the toilet of someone's house that we were staying at, and it freaked me out. It was like, oh my god, I've not seen this in ages, and there it was. And I love the idea that you never know where your zines are going to end up. And I am mentioning that because um, in our interview with Heather today, that's something that comes up, that you never really know where your zines end up. They get, you know, passed around, shared around. A lot of zines have, like, anti-copyright statements on them or copyleft statements on them, which mean you can photocopy them and share them as much as you like. The author does not care. They just want it to be shared and put out there. And that's something that's really cool. Yeah. There's no... It exists outside the traditional platforms of capitalist publishing. Yeah. Which is awesome. Before we start the conversation with Heather, we just want to add some very important content warnings before the, uh, before we play the interview, uh, and that's content warnings around mental health, self-harm, suicide and sexual abuse. Um, it is quite an in-depth uh, conversation, a lot of it is very light-hearted, but if these aspects are triggering for you, um, then please feel free to skip towards the end of this podcast. Um, so we have a super special guest, um, author of some of our favourite wrestling zines, one of our favourite wrestlers and some we've had on previously. We have Heather coming Hello. to talk to us all about the history of wrestling and specifically women in wrestling. Yes. I was introduced to your zines at the first Burning Heart show I went to and that's what we said before is that it was a really cool thing to come into like a new wrestling show and coming into the venue and immediately seeing zines for sale. It felt familiar to, like, DIY punk gigs that we went to, it felt like, oh, this is a kind of space that we already to recognise. It felt familiar, like, zines and wrestling. How cool is that?
0: Yeah, I... So, I agree that... <laughs> that's my comfort zone.
1: <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> DIY queer
0: feminist punk. Um, Yeah, I, I find the main reason I ever started writing about wrestling was for two reasons. It's, like, one, because they're just not any female voices writing about wrestling there are a few. there are more now but i'm talking like three four years ago no one and it was infuriating because you were seeing all of this stuff about women's revolution how um all of this stuff is happening and all of it was about men was by written by men for men men commenting on it and it's like women can be these actors within the ring but they can't actually speak for themselves, and I always that always really frustrated me, particularly because, um, particularly within wrestling, there's a lot of kind of gatekeepers of knowledge, and there's a lot of this kind of like, oh, you don't know who won WrestleMania in every single match for the last wrestle since like, can you not? just yeah, name yeah. who's done everything in like from 1994 onwards <laughs> where well, you don't know anything
2: <laughs> yeah we totally identify with that in terms of like the gatekeeping of, of fandoms like but, stats
1: and knowledge is just this like badge of honour yeah. and, and I think that's why zines because like we both make zines and read zines and i love zines as a, mm-hmm. a way of kind of taking back ownership of a narrative decolonizing
0: and, it yeah uh, and
1: and so like it, the narrative of wrestling um is owned by men the historic the history of wrestling is owned by men um and the similar in the way that i came to zines was through like queer feminist punk that 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 history of punk was owned by men so like zines are a way to take back control tell it through a different lens and and one of the things I really like about your zines was um it it's instantly something you can connect with because you've written it in a personal point of view it's not like an encyclopedia of like right here's everything you need to know about wrestling in this really boring dry academic way um and I've, I've read similar like 101 guides to women in wrestling and not being able to connect with it or mm. given up halfway through um but everything you've written is from your perspective you're super honest about coming to things like later in life and Um, not having that knowledge to begin with but learning as you go and figuring out what you like and then one of my favorite zines that you've that you've wrote was actually relating mental health to zine uh, to to wrestling as well and connecting to wrestling as a way to like um cope with stuff get through stuff um the look on heather's face oh my uh, god i
0: haven't seen this for years so i'm sorry i'm listening you've just got out my first (laughs) zine about wrestling
1: i think i picked that up at um london queer zine fest in 2012 um, and actually I was going to say I do a lot of zine workshops with young people and I've used that zine quite a lot with very young people recently because we're trying to do zines about mental health and identity but connecting it to like a fandom that people are interested in so as a as a result of looking at that zine loads of young people I've been working with have been making zines about mental health and football because that's their yeah. area of interest and it's a nice way to open up um so I'm sorry to just kind of spring that on you no I didn't I'm mean a to bit overwhelmed me.
0: no carry on but I think yeah, the mental health thing is huge. Yeah. So this other thing so you're you're right. I really wanted to make scenes that were accessible. Particularly about the history of women in wrestling because in wrestling, like you said, it's this male narrative, so it's only women that are sort of celebrated as seen as important to men. Whereas I think like I wrote that that this history of women through um through wrestlers, I identified with people like Klondike Kate um women like um Shigusa Nagoya and Lola, um, Lola Gonzalez because they're all like women that I'm like you are a badass like I don't care what your wrestling's like to it. they're all great wrestlers as well but like you know you hear these stories about women who were like teenage moms or they they struggled they were abused they had these hard lies and then they were wrestlers and you hear about their lives in the ring and you don't hear about what what wrestlers go through outside of the ring. And this is what brings me to mental health. And it's something that I think is really important to explore, which is we all come to wrestling and we all decide to do it for whatever reason it is that kind of drives us to find an escapism from reality. Because that's what wrestling is. It's a suspension of reality. It really is. That's what it is. And I think that wrestlers don't give themselves enough credit about exploring what has what they've kind of overcome in order to just get in the ring and that's amazing to hear like that someone you know these young people have read my scene and it's inspired them because like you, you don't that's amazing I just rate that when I was struggling as a young person anyway um but I remember I I trained with um a Greek called the London School of Lucha Libre and they're the people who taught me to wrestle from day one, and they're they're my family. Like they're a bunch of weirdos, and we're like the wrestlers that that we're never going to get on the yeah. WWE. We're all of the kind of misfits that are like the people who who want to really love wrestling and really want to do it, but we're we're just you know we're not going to be those those sort of like big athletic toxic masculinity people. Like those people come to Lucha and they leave because we're not we we're not those kind of people. And what? I did when I made this mental health scene was I just called out and was just like does anyone want to share their experience of how wrestling's helped them and I was overwhelmed because it was all men as well and men classically don't talk about their mental health and you have so many experiences of men who were like going through grief or who had attempted suicide or you know this whole other world of, of dealing with these horrible things and wrestling is just giving them something whether it's through their childhood or as a fan or then later is kind of moving towards something that's not necessarily competitive or about winning a medal it's just about doing it because you love it and Mm. i think that's why it can be really healing so it's okay to talk about it i wrote that zine by bipolar 2012 i'm not bipolar by the way i got um i got misdiagnosed but basically, I wrote this when I first moved to London, yeah. and I was so, so sad. I was so sad when I wrote this. And just before, I'm, and it's, it like, wrestling has completely saved me
2: yeah.
0: from this person who just hated themselves. Oh, my
2: God, that's amazing. <laughs> so,
0: to actually have someone bring this out, I don't even have a copy of this anymore, you know? It's okay. I'll be all, I have it somewhere. My house is a shit tip. <laughs> this earlier. But I haven't seen one for years, so...
1: But um, I found it a really powerful... I find all zines very powerful, but I found that zine very, very powerful. And um, it, I think talking about wrestling in those terms of, like, communities and, like, finding people that are like you and finding, like, this mm. this safe place to be weird and, like, let things hang out. And Because wrestling is so performative that there's a lot of stuff that maybe gets buried underneath and the reasons why people go into wrestling yeah, is really yeah. interesting. Like, some of the reasons you mentioned there, I'm kind of fascinated to know, like, the... world be behind all the performance like the reasons why people get in the ring, the reasons why people want to tell stories is an extension of themselves or as a way to switch off from other things
0: and i think that it completely depends i think i was listening to um my burning heart friends Mm -hmm. earlier (laughs) um and they were saying you know my my character is an extension of myself or it's this bit of me that i'm like yeah i really want to push that out of myself and I think that a lot of people do that, but I also think there's just as many people who literally create a character which they pour everything that they can't be into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of our friends, who I won't name, um, has a mass character, which is like an absolutely like hideous, bleeding, sadistic, violent, hideous thing, but actually she's got a job working as a physiotherapist <laughs> of the elderly.
1: Yeah. Uh, you
0: know? And I, I'm con- probably because I have um dealt with so i'm taking my jumper off um probably because i've dealt with anxiety and all of that other stuff for so long my wrestling characters are very much i am my main characters called Venenosa. and she's a poisonous frog she's disgusting like she's horrible she spits at the audience she swears her her finish is called the cunt drop you know <laughs> and like i there's just but i put on the mask and i i just don't care and there's something so freeing about that and to think that i spent so much of my life like not having that outlet to me now is just so otherworldly like i talk about her like she's a different person
2: but she is you created her yeah, she yeah it's is.
0: terrifying <laughs> <laughs> it came out of my imagination um but yeah i mean so obviously my book's coming out in july um and i took a big risk about it because basically it is very much from that perspective it's not about me becoming a bigger famous wrestler it's not like a book written by a wwe superstar which is going to glorify and name drop loads of yeah. it's not at all it is literally about the people outside of their wrestling characters yeah. and why we become wrestlers and what it's
1: like so in terms of like because some of the zines you've done you've got um on like a her story through 10 female wrestlers and you've got I Would Rather Be Ashes and Dust, A Girl's Guide to Wrestling. And both of these zines kind of operate as a, almost like a beginner's guide, a really mm, accessible, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you don't know anything. Actually, there's probably bits of wrestling history which you don't know. There's lots of stuff that's hidden. So here's it in a very nice, accessible way for you to to understand. Um, how did you, like, begin to get this knowledge yourself? Like, how did the research process, was it just things that were told to you? Or were you like, I need to know more and find things out myself?
0: Oh, gosh. Um... So I, like, I, I, I always say this, my first wrestling training session, I didn't know who The Undertaker was. I knew nothing. I kind of had a vague idea what wrestling was. <laughs> but I was doing a stand-up gig, a fem- at, at, at like this feminist comedy night at the Resistance yeah. Gallery, and the guy who runs Lucha was like, oh, yeah, come and, and do it. So he completely invited me to go, knowing fully well that I probably didn't know anything. But... To then, two weeks in, realise just how this huge world exists. And when you ask people, how do I improve? They go, oh, watch wrestling. Or they talk to you like you already know what it is. And I think it does. It puts a lot of people off just instantly. Yeah. And it was never meant in an aggressive way. It was never meant in a mean way. But it got to the point where people, you know, I would then... (laughs) I remember because I was like, oh, I need to go watch wrestling yeah so i put wrestling into google <laughs> and i can't remember, and i that just didn't really help me and then i think it was one of my friends this girl called chow and she was like i watch wrestlemania and i was like what what's wrestlemania and she was like oh it's like a it's like the super bowl of wrestling yeah. and i was like okay what's super bowl yeah. but she just <laughs> gave up She was like just watch wrestlemania so i remember going home and getting some beer because my dad used to watch rugby with beer so i figured that's what you do when you watch sports yeah. haven't done that before um and i <laughs> found like a be- like version of wrestlemania and i was like one start at one so i watched wrestlemania one and okay. i was just like who- what is this <laughs> who is this who is this man this orange man <laughs> these orange men and it was really funny because actually i'd been wrestling for about six weeks or so so i kind of could see them doing things so i was like i don't know how to do that Yeah. I right, was just like but obviously then I watched it I was like there is what there's no women I'm never gonna be this orange Hulk Hogan whoever he is yeah you know what is this and I was like and then I, like, I was like oh I need to watch and I would go and I was like can you tell me some women's wrestling to watch and then bless them the guys that I would be asking because it was usually guys who go um <sighs>
2: oh god
0: and then they go Lita, and I, Lita's great, but then obviously then I started watching around that time, you know, with Divas, and I was like, well, this isn't me either. I'm not this tit woman, <laughs> I'm not tit woman, I'm not gonna be her. So then, and then thankfully I had um, a friend who wrestled called Jane, and I asked her to recommend me some wrestlers I should watch. And she said, oh, Bull first of all. You should check out Borna Google Borna Cano, for those who don't know, is a slightly larger Japanese woman with a two foot tall green mohawk and I my face fell off I was just like I'm completely <laughs> in love with this woman and then I started watching her matches but only she was only on the WWE for a short amount of time so then I started watching Japanese female wrestling and I just got lost in a YouTube hole yeah. for like days <laughs> these wrestlers I never heard of I couldn't some of them were just all in in kanji so I didn't even know what their names were and it just got to the point where I was just like, this is so, this is a huge other world. How the heck don't I know anything about it? And to be honest with you, it's literally taken me years, years, like five years to get to the point where I can name like 10 female wrestlers that I'm like, these are ultimately women you should know about. Yeah. And it's just, it's just from like other women telling me or other people telling me, Cassandra Alexotico, Exotico, he was great. He came and I was like, Cassandra, tell me women to watch. And he just reeled off names for me. And it was so hard, so hard to find decent female wrestling. Because it was just before the revolution had happened. Or So you had women like Paige, but they were doing two minute matches. Yeah. So the whole point of me writing this zine was, I, good God, I wish someone had written this for me. It would have just been so much easier if someone had just been like, here, this is Mae Young. Go Google her. Yeah. There was also a documentary called Lipstick and Dynamite, um, which I also saw around that time. And that, that, was the, that was the game changer for me. Because then that, rather than me just watching these women in the ring, that was me realising how horribly hard wrestling has been for women from day one.
1: I think that's one of the things I really n- not enjoy about the zine, but it's not just you reading off facts. Like, here are the matches that they did. What does it, it look like? Yeah. It's like, this is the horrible hardships they, they had to endure. And like the, the bit that you wrote about Klondike Kate, about like getting thrown into a chip shop and, and getting stripped and like all these like hardships. But then they were incredible. It's like, it isn't just like stats, like pages and pages of stats. Because anything that I was coming across was just... yeah. Like when they were born, where they were based. Here's the matches they did, and I think I am really grateful that these zines existed because mm. I'm so new to wrestling that this gave me like literally a beginner's guide. Like here's to who to watch. So I've watched all the wrestlers that you name in here, and it was like spiraled, and that led into other things, and it was just so grateful to oh, have thank that as you. a resource. That's really lovely yeah, to hear.
2: I mean, it seems it seems obvious based on kind of what you've been able to put into your zines that kind of the next logical stage would be to to write a book. But what how I'm sure there were loads of difficulties to it like so what, what happened between you deciding this is what i'm going to do next and then getting to the point where it's going to be published really um, soon
0: so so i wrote my zines and then i wrote an article for the guardian and i started doing this very much this thing like i'm gonna write about oh, this is gonna be my thing because no women are writing about wrestling but it's really hard to get commissions <laughs> to write about wrestling you know wrestling blogs and all these kind of things ones which tend to be written by men they already have writers who are men but you know they're not gonna put they want the stats and they want someone who is what we would call a smart mark and i'm not that i'm more of a crossover person and there's only so many times you can email the guardian and be like do you want me to write you another (laughs) another article about wrestling and they just stop replying so i was like okay well i'm just gonna have to do something else um and then i got i got cancer um, which was just shit um, and it was um, I went through this stage where I, ju- I, I couldn't wrestle Yeah, I didn't have a choice and I was miserable, I was so depressed because I had suddenly got to the point where I actually for the first time in my life liked my body and liked myself and had found like something I was good at and I just started writing down and I realised actually after years of having all these thoughts and no way of kind of getting them out into the world that i'd actually just been scribbling and typing for 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 so much i started going through all the stuff i'd written and trying to think what it was and i went through loads of different ideas i was like oh first of all i know what i'll do i'll write um basically whip it yeah with ellen page (laughs) but about wrestling get it turned into a film boom lovely (laughs)
1: uh
0: turns out i cannot write fiction because it just ended up being, like, me writing about my childhood and my <laughs> my parents divorcing. I was like, there's not a lot of wrestling in this.
2: Yeah, it became a Mary Sue. Yeah.
0: That, that I was true. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, this isn't working. So I scrapped that. And then I started just writing about, like, my opinions on wrestling. And, like, this kind of non-fiction, like, a series of essays, I suppose. And then I can't remember what some... I was just talking to someone I knew who's a publisher. I was like, what well, just start with your experiences and that's that's really how I start I just started from the beginning Mm. and then I just and then what I found was I was writing how I started wrestling because I came into it from nowhere and I have my own kind of experiences of hating my body and depression and being the survivor of rape and all kinds of horrible stuff which I just kind of got on with really because sadly that's what women are expected to do um But the whole point of the book is it's fucking joyous because wrestling exists. (laughs) So yeah, that was the main thing is I wanted to write this book that had a strong female narrative that was written by a woman that is about wrestling, but specifically for women and people who don't know about wrestling. And when I kind of had that as an idea, I was just like, right, go with it. And I, I bashed out the first manuscript in a month.
1: Oh,
0: Yeah. That's a really I, well, I had just had surgery. Yeah, <laughs> surgery I had nothing to do But I was, I was really lucky um, But then obviously then Pitching it was really frustrating Because I was going to all of these Agents And saying Oh I've got this book And they went oh great And it was just after Glow had come out and um, it was, like, really hot and everyone was really excited. But then they'd come back and have to be like, oh, we're going to regret this. We just can't, can't do it. It's just too niche. And that's how I ended up having to go through Unbound because I literally, they were just like, we can't sell it to pitch it to Waterstones. And I was like, well, I'm not pitching this. I did. I started off writing zines for yeah. the occasional woman that might stumble into a wrestling show. Like, niche is my thing. Um. So then I had to crowdfund it through Unbound and I've been really lucky because the wrestling community that I know, which are very specifically angry women
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> in London, have helped me just so much. I'm overwhelmed in some ways that I managed to get to my target. So so that's where we are now. My book's coming out in July I'm going to
1: ask how the wrestling community uh, have responded to the idea of this book coming out. Like, do how how much how much have you told people about what's going to be in the book?
0: I think that the people who I've tried to be as honest with people about the content who've supported it. But I I it's, <laughs> i have this friend Rob, and he he's very involved in the British wrestling industry. He's a photographer and he's a ref. And as soon as I told him I wanted to write a book about women's wrestling, he went, "Oh God, good luck." Because he was like, there are so many people with so many opinions Mm -hmm. that no matter what you say, someone's going to not like it. So on one hand, I'm just like, this is my story. It's subjective, but it's honest. Yeah. But on the other hand, I am worried because it isn't this book about facts and figures. Mm -hmm. And I have had people give me my zines back with like marker. I wasn't joking. I've had men give me my zines back covered in marker pen. But I have it with everything. It's like every single wrestling every single wrestling show i've refereed some dude who's a fan has never stepped in a ring in his life will come up afterwards and tell me what i've done wrong every time i have an opinion about a wrestling (laughs) anything to do with wrestling i was backstage at a pro wrestling eve show and there's this man this man sorry but it isn't all men obviously but this one guy is just he i used to go to wrestling eve shows every single month and I would do this thing where I'd get in the ring and I would just ask and say please if you just got if you want to help me just come talk to me if you can support my book and this guy for four shows oh I've still got the link on your phone yeah I'm gonna do it sitting there and like I can watch him go through the show spend 20 quid on beer but he's not willing to spend 10 quid on my book someone will come up so what's your book about and then they will go well it's about this and he would literally talk over me to someone he would tell someone else about this book that he wasn't going to invest in and I can't, I can't tell you how crippling and infuriating it is to be like, I've loved this thing for seven years. I'm so involved in it and I'm valid. Yeah. And the rest of the world can see that, but you guys can't. And I'm nervous. I'm really nervous about my book coming out.
1: It's... it's yeah, because I Minsha mean, and used to play in a band, and I think a lot of what you're saying really rings true with us in terms of, you know <laughs> oh, what you do really well. Like, we knew what it was like to play music every night. We knew our instruments as well as we needed to know. Yeah, um, pretty basic. <laughs> but we... Every night we played show, we'd always get a guy, whether it's the sound guy, whether it's the venue manager, whether it's just some dick in the audience wanting to come over and tell you why you played that chord wrong how you could improve your voice um what what gear to use what amps to use have you thought about doing this and it's all very well meaning and it's all very well intended and if you take it personally then you're the bitch
2: yeah and i would also say we had the we had the added thing of it being a buffy the vampire slayer themed band and people always wanted to come and call us out on like uh zonda's not a dick uh yeah he's such a a dick i just I always think back
1: to that show we played in Liverpool. We were on tour. We were playing a gig in Liverpool. And we had this group of, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer th- fans. He came to our show specifically because they were massive Buffy yeah.
0: fans. Yeah.
1: We played a song about Riley, who I... Is... The, the character that we can all agree is just the beigest wet blanket and nobody likes Riley, right? No one likes Riley. I don't, like I don't Riley. think even Riley likes Riley. And they walked out of our show halfway through the set and they was like shouting from the audience as they mm-hmm. left to make sure that we knew that they'd left. Yeah. Um, because they didn't agree with our opinions and they wanted to like make themselves heard.
2: <laughs> I, w- I would also just add as well, although... I know it's not every man who does this but the times it has happened either with people coming to tell you about what you're doing right or wrong in wrestling whether it's telling us what we need to use for gear telling us our opinions on wrestling are like shit and wrong it's 100 of the time men a woman has never done Yeah, that a woman me. has never done or that maybe or but then there is those the other hands and I, I
0: also feel very strongly and i feel like i should have made this point as a angry ass woman <laughs> He hates exercise. When I first went into wrestling, I also had my misconceptions of men. Very much so. Particularly straight men. I had... No, I was fully ready to be attacked from all angles by these bros that were, did not want me in their space. And I can safely say, in seven years of wrestling, I've met hundreds of wrestlers, and trainees, and three of them were dicks. But they're the kind of people who don't even feel like they can give you advice. They just dismiss you. And in Mm. some ways that's worse. Yeah. So, but the whole people, the thing of you, they do feel like you're helping you. But it is, it's that condescending way. I have people who give me advice on what I do. I have people who pre-read for me. Mm. I have other female wrestlers and female promoters who, like Emily Eve and Rhea O'Reilly, are very good friends of mine. And they will tell me things that they think maybe I should reword or are clearly subjective but they wouldn't do it in this kind of assuming that i need to be told it yeah and i also come from a place where i've learned to wrestle i have been taught by guys mainly and my coaches greg and gary i love them and they bollock me so many times just so many things and i will take it because i kind of am like yeah i i need i want your feedback yeah but the thing is with these people who are giving it to you they they don't get that is so what i'm just doing just like just get to here is like it's so fucking hard i've had to go through a a pile of just dismissal ignore like people just ignoring me just you know the same kind of thing with you guys as well and i think i really think it can change and i really think the only way that it can change is that when there needs to be more space in wrestling and in music to accept that people don't have to all be looking at the same goal well it's the same with you guys you know these guys probably thought that i wanted to write the next 101 guide on women's wrestling or you know write biographies for ww or something i don't that's not what i want to do that's not why i'm here and i think that that's what it is and it's the same with music music as well it's like oh i'm trying to help you become this thing you don't want to be and i think yes it is men but you know, I just, the, the it was very difficult doing crowdfunding because instead of telling people just to fuck off, I couldn't.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you've got to be really open to it. I think that's the thing. <laughs> If you're not, you are seen you as are bitch. You are such a bitch. And it's just, I think it's that thing where, I know you're saying not all men, it's, um, it's the gatekeeping element and everyone is, is capable of gatekeeping. I think when you have these, what's seen as quite a niche interest, people feel protective of it. So it's like, you can't join this club. Do you know this, this and this? And if you don't, you don't belong um and i found that when we were trying to get into wrestling at the beginning we were kind of coming across that and feeling like oh maybe maybe this isn't for us maybe we don't know enough maybe we should know more But then it's it's like you were saying that the the narratives of wrestling are owned and written by men and i that's why i'm so grateful for the stuff you've written because it's instantly accessible it feels like i can not learn it because it's not like learning facts but it feels like i want to know more as opposed to like having to read a really dry biography or a dry like list of stats for something
0: Mm. and i think there's also this thing in wrestling generally and you will hear it from like anyone who's a wrestler is a wrestling fan apart from very small minority is that it is assumed knowledge because they assume you've been watching this stuff since you were a child Mm. what if you didn't what if your friend caris got her collarbone broken in the playground by ben polichino because she nicked his football and then he did a stone cold stunner on her and then (laughs) football no then wrestling was just banned. (laughs) that's what happened to me so i i couldn't even get close to wrestling even if i wanted to you know it has to be accessible because Because otherwise, like, what about all these people who watched GLOW and thought it was the best thing ever? And I wanted to just shout at them, there's no wrestling in it! Like, there's none. There's, like, a tiny, Uh, tiny fraction. I
2: started watching GLOW, I guess, like, it was around... Well, it came out just after we'd started getting into wrestling. And I was like, yes, more women's wrestling! And then I watched the show and it was like, oh, there's actually no wrestling in it. And in addition to that, like, it's by the same people as Orange is the New Black. So I was also expecting the characters to be super-duper fleshed out. And, like, you find out all their backstories and actually... Mm,
0: no. i think it's because that show is trying to do too many things yeah i think it's very hard to put i think it's really difficult to pull apart wrestling at its most problematic which in many ways is what glow was mm. and then also have fleshed out characters but i think it definitely brought in more people to women's wrestling yeah. who aren't wrestlers or wrestling fans and i think that that's quite a big thing because now there is this potential influx of people who can just see female wrestlers, no matter what they know about what they're technically doing, as fucking badass women. And I think that there should, I think we need more of that. And we just need appreciation that what we're doing is hard. And that should be enough, you know. And I think that um, earlier um, in the interview, like there's there's this whole thing about wrestling not being appreciated as an art form. And I 100% believe that people think it's sp- as I said, violent panto. yeah That is kind of what it is. But it is literally coming a wrestler is like the ho- it is the hardest thing I've ever done. Like cancer was pretty bad, but like mate, coming a wrestler <laughs> screw that. Like having to learn to throw yourself backwards again and again and again and then getting up the next day and definitely being a bit concussed and going to work (laughs) and then going again and then throwing yourself and then being told you're not doing it correctly so you have to do 10 like do like 25 squats and then throw yourself down again again and again and again every week and you have to do it because you love it then for people to come in and be like "Mm, that drop kick was a bit off i just want to spit in their eyes (laughs) (laughs)
2: like that's just how we feel and your character would
0: My character does. In fact, I think that's why my character exists, because I can just be horrendous.
1: (laughs) Um, So when is the book going to be ready and out?
0: Uh, According to the FOILs website, which has already reduced my book, uh, (laughs) 11th, I know, (laughs) it's coming out on the 11th of July.
2: Amazing, okay. exciting. We were really excited to see um Julia Sheila is illustrating. Yeah. We, <laughs> we love we, them. We Their work them is so from, good. Like, scene and comic.
0: Their work is amazing. Um, I'm a huge fan as well, so it was really funny. I <laughs> God. So at the back I just to explain specifically what Julia's doing. At the back of the book, because again I'm trying my whole thing is getting away from this assumed knowledge thing. So in my book, Whenever I mention wrestling move at the back, I have like an appendix, which is just like a visual guide of wrestling moves. And so I did like a draft copy, which I thought were just going to be my sketches, and they would use them. So I sent in my sketches. And they're like, oh, and these are the drafts. And I was like, mm. <laughs> I was like I've got an A and in level art, actually. <laughs> and they were like, oh, we'll find an illustrator. And I was worried, man. I was just like, oh, God, someone's going to come in. It's just going to be... And then they were like, um, oh, we've got these. And then sent me a picture of Julia's work. And I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, so they
1: sent you Julia. You didn't specify No, my amazing. my, I would,
0: I wouldn't you have dreamed. <laughs> I wouldn't have dreamed. No. And I also think it's really, really, really important because of what Julia does in terms of the way that they represent and their, their whole body of work. To have that link to the book is just yeah. like, I literally couldn't have dreamed of it. Like, it's... Oh, I fangirled out. I'll yeah. be honest. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah. Uh, where can people find your zines in the meantime? Um. So
0: my, I have an Etsy website. Um. Etsy and me don't get on great, though. So <laughs> <laughs> it's best to tweet me, and then I can sort <laughs> you out. Um. So them, and then I tend to sell them at Burning Heart shows. Um. And um. And yeah, generally I can be found at, at Rana Bites Back um on twitter and um i'm really happy to just deal with dms and send them out um and i think there's a zine distro um in america so if you
1: holy demon Army, holy
0: demon army have got them as well and then um my book is available on unbound to pre-order um please pre-order it from unbound because i actually get money from them whereas if it's gonna wherever it's gonna go next i don't know (laughs) i'll probably get like a pound a copy so
1: amazing Uh, we'll do that yeah thank you so much for talking oh, thank this. you
0: and i just want to say like this is great that you guys are doing like an accessible podcast <laughs> just i'm like all over this and um, i'm sorry that you're getting me a z now i wrote when in 2012 made me cry like i'm just a bit Aww. overwhelmed so i'm gonna give this a quick read before <laughs> i leave
2: thank you so much for heather for coming onto the show today um and thank you for talking to us about so many subjects that that are so personal to you because i really feel that they're going to resonate with a lot of women out there we're really looking forward to reading your book and um just a reminder to all of our listeners if you are interested in getting heather's book please bypass the capitalist systems of um you know amazon and and waterstones and whatever's out there please buy it directly from unbound.com that's www.unbound.com forward slash books forward slash unladylike we'll also release a tweet um linking to it because we want to make sure that Heavy gets every penny out yeah. of this
1: thank you so much for listening um it is april when you're listening to this which is wrestlemania month the christmas of of all wrestle fandom there's so many activities and so many promotions and so many shows going on i'm very sorry that our episode wasn't relevant or topical to any of them bye, bye. bye.